The Toronto Raptors hold the 33rd pick in this year's NBA draft, and while I have some idea of some of the guys who might go there at 33, I really know nothing compared to today's guest, who is Raphael Barlow, one of the men who knows the most about prospects in the entire world. He's the host of Locked on NBA Big Board, and he's here today to talk through some of the options at 33, the depth of the draft, and what the Raptors will be looking at in terms of talent available to them at the start of the second round, and we'll also get his thoughts on Scotty Barnes, who we, of course, talked with uh who talked about with Raphael a ton last season we'll get to all of that on today's show it's draft stuff baby it's coming up thanks for being here oh like because when I shot I expected to make it so like I don't shoot kind of miss you are locked on Raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1193 of Locked on Raptors for Friday, June the 10th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors, and you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps for the low, low price of On the House. You can also go to YouTube and subscribe to the Locked on Raptors YouTube channel. It's free to do that as well. Just hit the big red subscribe button. It's impossible to miss, and it's the best way to support the show. It's a free podcast. We don't ask much of you if that's... Uh, all we ask of you to subscribe i think we're not asking very much so please go ahead and do that it's much appreciated when you support the show and thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day a listen that is brought to you today by the folks over at NBA Top Shot. Top Shot is the future of being an NBA fan. Own officially licensed rare NFTs of the greatest moments from NBA history. Sign up today at LockedOn.TopShot.com. All right, on today's episode, we're finally, at long last, digging into the NBA draft, which is just a couple of weeks away at the time we're recording here on Thursday, June the 9th. The draft is the 23rd. The Raptors hold the 33rd overall pick. And joining me today to school me on the guys the Raptors might have a available to them at 33 is Raphael Barlow from Locked On NBA Big Board, who is uh, just a jet-setting man about the world, taking in these prospects. Raphael, it's so nice to have you back, man. How's it going? Yeah, this is good, man. Thanks for having me on. Did I hear that correctly? Episode 1193? Yeah, man. It's a lot of episodes. That's, <laughs> that's impressive. Like, that is really... <laughs> I mean, I was just on a podcast where they did episode 200, and it was, you know, that's quite an accomplishment. But 1193? Wow. I'm a compiler, man. I'm like uh, one of these players who sticks around for 20 years, maybe is never really a Hall of Famer, but it's just there his entire time. I'm a Mitch Richmond, if you will. I guess that's a Hall of Famer. Uh, I, I shouldn't compare myself Not to a Hall company. of Famer, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm a compiler is what I am. I'm the Patrick Marlowe, if you're an NHL fan of NBA podcasting. Uh, so with that, uh, thanks for being here, man. Really excited to dive into some draft stuff today. The 33rd overall pick, as the Raptors have, is uh, not a bad spot to be, as it seems 
usually guys are going to fall to the first round and right into the clutches of those teams right at the top of the second round. Herb Jones, anybody? Uh, we'll get to those guys in just a second. But first, you were on a lot last year in the lead up to the draft as I was desperate for anybody with draft intel ahead of the fourth overall pick for the Raptors in 2021. Uh, they went with Scotty Barnes, who, I, you know, we talked about a bit. We really focused, I think, our conversations mostly on Jalen Suggs last year, and it was a bit of a surprise mm-hmm. to most people when Barnes went four. So let me first get your impressions on Scotty Barnes's rookie season. You know, I think he kind of blew past most everybody's expectations. What about you? Did you find yourself surprised at how advanced he was on his way to the rookie of the year? Or were you a little bit like, oh, yeah, this was something that was coming? I'd be lying if I said, yeah, I knew this was coming. But you know what? <laughs> I, I will say this. Sure. I was all about, I mean, I was like most people. I assume Jalen Suggs was the fit there with Kyle Lowry being gone. Mm-hmm. I did hear some intel from somebody that was close to Scotty Barnes saying that he was going to be dynamic. But I just mm-hmm. chalked it up as, okay, but you are close to him. Sure. This is, you know, this is what you're expected to say. What I did not see out of Scotty was just the aggressiveness and being assertive on offense. That was kind of right. my biggest knock on him at Florida State was he blended in, came off the bench. I knew that he was versatile. I knew that he could defend multiple positions, play a little bit of point, play the four. But he was just so reluctant to shoot. And I right. don't know what Nick Nurse put in his back, the battery that he put in his back, what, what, whatever it was. <laughs> Toronto, I mean, just, I mean, going from this early surprise on draft night to rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I I can't even say that I was that I expected this. I mean, like you said, I was blown away by his performance this year. Yeah, he was uh, an absolute treat to watch, man. And I think it's always fun when a guy just kind of blows everybody's expectations out of the water, right? Like, it kind of leaves a little mystery to the draft. Like, oh, who's going to be the guy who kind of figures it out after the fact and has some stuff kind of hidden away that no one's really seen yet? It's always a... Uh, an interesting little endeavor and hey the raptors are pretty good at sniffing that stuff out as it turns out um so with the 33rd pick Raphael, let's turn our attention there as it's the only pick the raptors have uh in the draft this season they traded their first round pick in the thaddeus young deal got that 33rd pick back in the deal so essentially dropped i think it was 12 or 13 spots overall in the draft um which you know i i think for what the Raptors' purposes were this year, for what Thad Young brought to the team, even though it wasn't a perfect fit all the time. I think he brought a lot of good things. I'm more than okay with dropping 12 spots in the draft. Uh, But based on the depth of talent in this group, Raphael, I'm curious, like, do you think that drop from 21-22 down to 33 is something that could cost them a good player, or is this a deep enough draft where there should be someone good available to them at 33? A combination of both. I do think it is a deep draft, but I think what helps Toronto in a sense is that there's such a wide range. I think anywhere between 15 through 35, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's that much of a difference. For example, there's a player that could be mocked at 17 or 18 that could be available at 33. And I think it's just a... I mean, I think teams are going to take gambles on some of the freshmen that were highly touted coming into the season but weren't as productive. Mm-hmm. And with Toronto's track record, I feel comfortable that they're going to get first-round value out of pick 33. I was a big Banton guy. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. a little biased. I am from Nebraska. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I watched him. I felt like I was kind of early on the Benton bandwagon early, mm-hmm. um, la- early last season or early his last year in college basketball. I mean, I have a thing for guys that are oversized ball handlers and just right. versatility. And it looks you and like Masai Ujiri both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's exactly what I was going to say. And so, uh, yeah, I just think that Toronto's in a good position, not only because they have an absolute mastermind. You know, running the franchise, but then you mm-hmm. have one of the most creative coaches. I remember when I used to work in the, it was called the D League at the time, mm-hmm. and Nick Nurse was the coach of the Iowa Energy, mm-hmm. and he just always found like this player that he could get the best out of. It right. was almost like every like you know, Dan Tony has his point guard system in a sense where guys play in his system, especially if you're a ball handler, you're going to thrive. That's what it was like with Nick Nurse when he was in the G League. Mm-hmm. But he's found ways to not only make it like your ball handlers in the NBA, he just has this knack of getting the best out of players. And so with Toronto, pick 33 is almost as good as a mid-first-round pick, in my opinion. Well, that's music to the ears of Toronto Raptors fans, surely. Uh, coming up in just a sec, we're going to dig into some of the options the Raptors might have at 33. Some of the players who maybe fit the mold they typically look for. Six, nine guys who are tall and can't shoot but can play defense uh, and handle the ball a little bit. Maybe there's something else the Raptors should be targeting because they have such a, a bounty of guys who fit that bill already on the roster, even though, as Masai Ujiri said in the, at his end-of-season press conference, if you could have a full team of six, nine guys, he would have it. Uh, so we'll get to that in just a second to talk about some hard names. But before we do that, just want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for all of your sports betting stats and info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, odds, injury updates, and more. And you can go and bet on anything. You've got the basketball going on right now, the NBA Finals. You've got the NHL Hockey Conference Finals going on with the Stanley Cup Finals soon to follow. Get the Major League Baseball season heating up going into June. You've got everything uh, at your fingertips at BetOnline. Maybe you want to make a little parlay on uh, like the Blue Jays hitting all of the home runs and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. getting in on the action. Whatever it might be, it's available to you, and you can become the informed wagerer by going to Bet Online for your continued updates on all of the information you might need. You got live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action at BetOnline.net. It's where the game starts. And today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at NBA Top Shot, the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. Connect with the passionate community of NBA fans across the globe and build your collection with your favorite moments from NBA history. NBA Top Shot is the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. It's part trading cards, part stock market, part fantasy sports with a built-in loyalty program. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards and makes it easier to buy, sell, and trade by removing the hassle of card grading, shoe boxes, and binders. No one likes binders. Their 24-7 peer-to-peer marketplace lets you scroll through all of your favorite players and teams and once you find the moment you've been looking for you can buy it in just a couple of clicks a couple of clicks if you sign up today at top shot the best way to start is by getting yourself a starter pack you can pull a moment of a superstar like lebron james or kevin durant or star rookies like our beloved scotty barnes head over to lockdown.nbatopshot.com to start building your collection today lockdown.nbatopshot.com all right, Raphael, let's dive into some names at 33. The guy I want to start with is uh, popular in these parts because he's Canadian, and he seems to be kind of one of the risers of this pre-draft process. He performed well at the Combine. It's Leonard Miller, who is kind of a mystery player, right? Hasn't played in college or anything like that. 
what should people know about Leonard Miller? He's tall, he's raw, he's, you know, kind of seems to fit the bill of what the Raptors would want, but is he maybe too too big a riser right now to potentially fall to 33 of the Raptors? Leonard Miller is probably one of the biggest wild cards in this draft. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the top wild card is another Canadian in, in Shaden Sharp. Sure. But Leonard Miller <laughs> is very interesting simply because he, he kind of made a name for himself at the Hoop Summit, was mm-hmm. under the radar most of the season. Then he went to the Combine, and I'll be honest, I was at the Combine. I thought he was lost. I thought if you did not know any players and you just went and watched the games, you would say you could pick out, all right, this guy is the youngest player here. Right. This guy is, I mean, it just seemed like the pace was a little fast for him. Which which is totally understandable. He's young. He's making this huge jump from, you know, like high school essentially to mm-hmm. playing with some of the top players that are preparing for the draft. So I thought he was a little lost. Um, there was even some scouts that felt like, you know, why was he even out there? Because his buzz was already kind of big. But right. then there was some that felt like he's not going to enter. He's just going right. to test the waters a little bit, get some feedback, and then maybe go to the Ignite or whatever. So on one hand, I can say that he he did a good job of putting himself in front of scouts. On the other hand, I can say he was lost. Mm-hmm. But he did show some flashes that you know are hard to deny. He's 6'10", 6'11", has some ball handling skills. I mean, he does have a lot that, that you can work with and develop. And if it's a patient front office then you could have something there i think Mm -hmm. if it's a team that is i mean i think he's projected to go in the second round anyway but i think if it's a a team that feels like we want to value it with a second round pick that we think can come in and maybe give us five to seven to ten minutes per game then he he may not be the best fit there but i think a, a front office and i mean this could be toronto for example because he does kind of fit the the stereotype of <laughs> Raptors, <laughs> Raptors players, but Toronto has a track record of developing talent and maximizing second round picks or undrafted players. So I think that sure. would be a, a pretty good fit. And then you can't you can't overlook the the local aspect of it also. Definitely. And I mean, it's interesting because he does scream Raptors and just sort of his measurables and whatnot. But also like the Raptors have typically gone with more seasoned guys with their second round picks, right? Like, they'll, you know, Justin Champagne and Delano Banton, like multi-year college players. Malachi Flynn was their 29th overall pick. It was a four-year college player as well. And so, you know, I wonder if with those spots, if they kind of built in a little bit of understanding, okay, maybe these guys are never going to have the upside to be franchise players necessarily. And we can't bank on having another Pascal Siakam situation because that's like a once in a lifetime type of developmental track. So maybe they kind of look for guys who can do the thing where they come in and contribute more so right away, or at least within a year or two, as they kind of build up this shadow core again that they kind of used to have with, you know, the DeLon Wrights and Jakob Pertles and Fred Van Vliet, et cetera. Um, so Miller maybe doesn't quite fit the bill in terms of experience and what they typically look for, but we also know Masai Ujiri is the guy who drafted Bruno Caboclo because he seemed like he maybe could be something five years from now. Um, so mm-hmm. Leonard Miller is interesting for sure. Let's maybe pivot to a guy who's a little bit more seasoned, a little bit more known in terms of EJ Liddell from Ohio State. 
Uh, 6'6", he's a thick boy. Uh, he, you know, kind of figures to be sort of like one of those small ball pounding forward types. Um, curious your thoughts on EJ Liddell. He's kind of mocked anywhere between like 20 and 35 in sort of mocks I've seen. So certainly within that Raptors range and within that range that you talked about where anyone in that range could fall down into the second round. Uh, what are your thoughts on EJ Liddell as a potential fit with the Raptors? Yeah, I think he's going to have a long career as a a glue guy, a guy that right. just is a connective tissue that does little things that impact winning. Reminds me of P.J. Tucker with a little mm-hmm. bit more offensive versatility. I think, you know, when, when P.J. was at Texas, I guess P.J. is a former Raptor. Toronto's the team that got the ball rolling for him when he, when he came from Israel, I believe. What well, what. With uh, PJ was like a center in mm-hmm. in college. I think Liddell has a little bit more offensive game. He can be a pick and pop guy. He can shoot the ball in other spots in the floor, not just the corner. But similarities as far as like, you know, just being thick uh, and strong and being able to defend multiple positions. EJ is an incredible shot blocker. Right. Like, he gets that that two hundred and fifty, two hundred and forty pounds off the ground quick. I think he had the highest one of the highest no max vertical at the combine. It was either no max vertical or one step vertical, whatever it was. But it was impressive because he's 240 pounds, mm-hmm. and I think he can play small ball center. He can be a pick and pop guy. He can, you know, move his feet and defend. And then, and I, I may be dreaming here, but hopefully one day we start seeing post play come back. Mm-hmm. He may not be able to post up. Uh, fours and fives effectively, but I do think with his background as a low post scorer, he is someone that can exploit some mismatches. So you get a smaller guard mixed up or matched up against him. I think he can be able to get you some offense that way, but I, I like him. I like to fit in Toronto also. That really interests me because the Raptors this season really kind of became like a mismatch hunting team. They realized, mm-hmm. oh, all our guys are six eight, six nine. We can probably find a matchup we like somewhere. We like, for example, OG Ananobi became a lot more sort of regular as a post hub type guy. And um, you know, Scotty Barnes obviously can post anybody up with that sort of weird bouncy post post game that he has. Uh, and, and you know, it kind of stands to reason that if Liddell is of able to kind of flex those muscles a little bit as well. That might appeal to the Raptors as a team that seems like they are trying to figure out the defense thing first and then just kind of play a pretty simplistic form of offense with the fact that they just have dudes who are bigger and stronger than most guys who are going to be guarding them. And it's hard to evade those matchups when they're bigger than every team they're playing across the board. Um, and, you know, also this is a team that doesn't have a traditional center and any extra rim protection and someone who could play and soak up some center minutes feels like a pretty useful thing to have as well. I, you know, again, I'm very, very, uh, you know, poorly educated on these prospects compared to you and compared to most people, frankly. Um, but just in terms of my tertiary or the initial sort of diving in, it feels like Liddell is a very Raptors-y type guy who, who I'd be pretty down with if the Raptors were to end up getting him at 33, but most box seem to have him going a little bit higher up. Um, and, Let's go now to Dalen Terry from Arizona. Uh, he's currently on Kevin O'Connor's big board. He's at 36. Uh, I'm just pulling this up here. 6'6", 195, sophomore player. You know, he's sort of defense and feel seem to be the kind of things he brings to the table. Maybe not so much in the way of shooting. Uh, thoughts on Dalen Terry? He's another person that lots of Raptors fans seem to have their eye on. Yeah, big wing ball handler, takes care of the ball. 
And uh, one of the things that was most impressive about Terry to me was I was at the Combine, and he just brings this energy and passion mm-hmm. that is really impressive. I mean, it was just a Combine. He didn't play or anything like that, but he did his pro day. And at his pro day, it was, it was Excel. So Excel had an Excel sports management. So they had a pretty large class. Mm-hmm. I mean, a ridiculous class. Their pro day was like three hours long. That's how many guys that they had <laughs> in their in their class. He was one of the first ones to go, but he cheered on his. I don't even. I guess you can call them teammates. Sure. His, and I was gonna say label mates, like it's a record label. But he cheered <laughs> on his. Um, you know, the guys on his agency. He cheered each and every player as if like it was it was a real. They were his real teammates. He stayed mm-hmm. around. He was jumping up and down when guys made shots. I mean, someone that at the very minimum projects to be a good teammate, right? Sure. So to me, that's important because let's say he does go to Toronto and let's say he's not getting a lot of minutes early in the sure. year. He's still going to provide value as a teammate because he's going to be the first one that's, you know, running out on the court, high-fiving somebody, chest-bumping somebody when they hit a momentum-changing three that makes the other team call a timeout. And I just think that that energy is infectious and he can just kind of find a role for himself as like this oversized point guard, just versatility that can defend multiple positions. He takes care of the ball. And if he can get the outside shot to fall consistently, then I mean, he could end up being a weapon. Versatile ball handling wing who has great vibes. Uh, can't think of anyone recently who the Raptors drafted who kind of fits that bill. No, uh, he's not going to be Scotty Barnes, but that is uh, that's a no, pretty interesting kind Scottie of Scotty Barnes yeah. is going to be Scotty Barnes. That's right. So it's very, we thought he's going to be true. good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we've said it here, Dale and Terry, the new Scotty Barnes. Why not draft him? He can have two, right? Well, build the whole <laughs> boat out of Scotty Barnes's. Um, that's a that's a good one. And, and so we've kind of focused mostly on wing and forward types here, but you know, the Raptors have some needs, right? Center is obviously a thing that a lot of fans seem to think they got to go and address. I personally think just roll precious to chew out there for 30 minutes a game and live with that. And you're going to have a lot of fun and ups and downs and roller coasters with it. Um, But it will ultimately lead to very good defense at the very least. Um, But yeah, let's maybe focus on some centers. A guy who I know a lot of people have had their eye on is Christian Coloco also out of Arizona, had himself a pretty big tournament as well. um, And is enormous. He's tall. He's rangy and he provides something the Raptors don't have, which is someone taller than six foot nine. Uh, thoughts on Christian Coloco as a potential fit at 33? He is a Raptors guy, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So I have an article that's coming out today. It might be out by the time this, this episode airs. And it's about Christian Coloco. And this, this actual article is about swing skills. It's about, mm-hmm. for those that don't know, swing skills are. I guess the skill set that I think can help a player totally maximize his potential. So I, I did sure. one earlier in the week on the top three prospects in the draft, Paolo Bencaro, um, Chet Holmgren, and Jabari Smith. Mm-hmm. Those guys are, you know, obviously top three picks expected to be all-star. And then I did four or five more players that I think they have a specific swing skill that can help them reach another level. And Coloco was one of the guys. And so at the combine, he shocked everybody by making 16 out of 25 threes from the star drill, which is huge because he did not make a single three-pointer in his three years at Arizona. Mm-hmm. And 
even in the three years at Arizona, he only made 15 jump shots total in 91 hmm. games, and nine of those 15 came this year. So right. I'm very optimistic that he develops into a three-point shooter because okay. I, I believe that he just wasn't able to showcase it. I believe that he sh- showed small strides. Like I said, he, he made 15 jump shots total, but nine were this year. Yeah. He was like a 35% free throw shooter as a freshman. Got it up to about 73 or something like that. So he's shown improvements in his touch. Mm-hmm. And when I saw him at the combine shooting, it looked like he's been putting in the hours and putting in the work. So I, I even had the chance to interview him, and he told me that he understands that shooting will help him stay on the floor in the NBA. Mm-hmm. especially with centers kind of being switched off or kind of getting ran off the floor in the playoffs. And he knows that if he can add some outside shooting, it can possibly help him stay on if there's a situation where, I mean, you've seen like some of the best centers in the league. They they may not have the offense to where they're just kind of one-sided. So he's, he understood that. And so he said he's shooting a 1,000 jump shots a day. <laughs> wow. So he gets up in the morning, shoots, it comes back at night for about 45 minutes where it's nothing but jump shots. So he's working on like the pick and pop, the mid range and outside and, and three point shots. So I don't have to say this. I think that he has a good chance of being able to knock down open shots and space and space the floor. You add that to what he already brings to the table as far as energy, rim protection, and a guy that's going to be a vertical lap threat and run the floor, then you end up with a pretty valuable weapon. So He's one of my top swing skill players. He's someone that I think he could go in the first round, but I think he would be a real steal and just create so much value as a second-round pick, especially if he falls to 33. Yeah, I mean, I've said all along that I don't think the Raptors should be expending huge resources to bring in a center right now. Like They shouldn't be trading for a Rudy Gobert or DeAndre Ayton with where they're at. It just doesn't feel like a proper allocation of money and cap space and assets and all of that, but... You can get a guy in who you think you can mold into a center of the future, then I'm all for that. And so Christian Coloco certainly stands out, especially after that uh, that, that breakdown, as someone who I would not be upset with if the Raptors end up snagging at 33. Uh, we're going to come back on the other side, get to a couple more names to throw at you, Raphael, and then also dig into guys who Raptors fans should be hoping falls to them. Someone who's maybe in that sort of mid-tier of the first round right now, who if the Raptors can get their hands on, people should be very, very excited. That's coming up in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who have a brand new flavor that you got to try is Caramel Brownie, baby. Uh, don't you love a chewy chocolate brownie? What about a caramel brownie with caramel swirl? World on top. It's so good. What if I told you you could have all of that without all the bad stuff that you typically get into a brownie and instead get yourself 17 grams of protein? Well, you're in luck because the caramel brownie bars are available right now at built.com and you got to act fast because they're a fan favorite and they will sell out. Forget about dessert. These are better than dessert and the macros are incredible. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only four grams of sugar. It's like everything that a brownie is not except for the flavor, which it very much is. And I would, in a heartbeat, replace a regular brownie with a built caramel brownie bar in one second. It's covered in chocolate and it tastes delicious, as all built bars do. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15, L O C K E D 15 for 15% off at built.com. Go get yourself some caramel brownie bars. 
Okay, we are going to round things out here. We're not going to get to all of the names that the lovely listeners of the show submitted for me to talk about here with Raphael, just because there's lots of guys, kind of that kind of year, it seems, where there's not really a lot of certainty as to who's going to be at 33, as we've talked about. But a couple guys to walk through here, um, sort of addressing other needs the Raptors might have. Of course, we know the Raptors are very much in on playing large and playing (laughs) with wings and size and defense, but... We also saw Fred Van Vliet break down because he had way too much of a burden at the early part of the season, and a point guard or some kind of ball handler might be in order for the Raptors. couple of wings who come to mind and both played on the same team at Duke that I want to ask you about, Trevor Keels and Wendell Moore Jr. Let's start with Wendell Moore Jr., uh, a little bit bigger, 6'4", 6'4", and a quarter, 217 pounds, was a junior. Uh, you know, What is the read on Wendell Moore as a player? He's someone lots of people ask about um sort of fits that sort of ball handling wing who's not super duper small like the raptors have had in the past thoughts on wendell moore as a fit for the raptors in the second round if he falls to 33 yeah wendell moore even though he's a junior he's a young junior i think he's only 20 years old i looked it up there was i don't mention the guy's name because i guess it would sound negative but there's a freshman that's only like four months younger than wendell moore and this guy's projected to go in the first round so moore had um I mean, he had a tremendous year, shot over 40% from three. Like, if you just look at his numbers on paper, sure. you'd wonder why isn't he a lottery pick. He scored, he shot, he was efficient, he rebounded, got assist, and he is someone that is just like a – I don't even want to call him a glue guy because mm-hmm. I think he has a little bit more to his game than being a glue guy, but he's also someone that I can see fitting into Toronto's system because – he just does a little bit of everything. He sure. does the things that impact winning. And even though he is young, he has experience. Or you can say the other way around. Even though he's experienced, he's still young. Just sure. <laughs> which way you want to look at it. Um, but I think he is right in that range. Because if he goes 20, I don't think I'd be shocked. If he falls to 33, it, I wouldn't be shocked either. Mm-hmm. So what's the the reasoning for a guy like that who has like stats that are very clearly, you know, pretty impressive. He shoots over 40%. Like why doesn't a guy like that become a consensus lottery pick just when it comes to, you know, I, again, the scouting world is very interesting to me. I think it's a fascinating thing sort of why guys are valued for different reasons. Why does a guy like Moore who seems to have all that stuff that suggests, "Oh, this guy's going to be a really good player." Why doesn't he have a higher grade? Honestly, and I'll be totally honest here, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he was like a McDonald's All-American and he was mm-hmm. highly regarded coming right. out of high school. But if, I mean, he's probably like 17 when he entered campus or, or sure. maybe <laughs> just turning 18. So when he didn't live up to the expectations as a freshman, and I think like the next year he, he was better, but mm-hmm. now he's, he as a junior, he played like the, person that people thought he was going to be as a freshman so sure it could be just one of those things where he has so much tape and film and he didn't meet the expectations it's, it's almost like when you are and we're going to see it a lot with this class there are guys that were freshmen that didn't have good years they still entered the draft and they chose to develop or try to develop in the nba Mm-hmm. Moore chose to continue to develop in college, and it's almost like he's kind of being penalized for it. Gotcha. <laughs> and so uh, I, I think, you know, he's, he's going to bring some value. And the, one of the biggest questions about him was his shooting. And he, mm-hmm. 
I mean, he addressed those concerns this year when he shot the ball efficiently from three. Color me very intrigued about Wendell Moore at 33. Uh, let's go to his teammate, Trevor Keels, point guard, uh, sort of described as uh, a mean dude, a battering ram, uh, all the different words that uh, probably apply to, you know, a certain point guard the Raptors fans uh, have loved over the last decade or so. Uh, obviously, you don't want to draw any comparisons to Kyle Lowry because that's <laughs> impossible to do. He's his own thing. But uh, we do love a mean point guard in these parts. Trevor Keels, what's the read on him? He currently uh, kind of also in that same late first, early second round range. Kills is very young, only 18 years old, and he'll yep. still be 18 on draft day. And I think he'll just be turning 19 when the season starts. So I'm, I'm all about keeping it totally honest. Trevor Kills sure. is a player that if he pans out, someone that I would miss on just because visually he doesn't play like how I would want my point guard to play. Like sure. we, we all have styles of, of guys that we favor and that we're biased towards. And he's – just not a guy that I'm I'm a big fan of. I mean, he has the frame. He's six four, and like you said earlier, thick boy. <laughs> he's six <laughs> four. He's strong. He can, you know, defend multiple positions. I think because of his his strength and he he definitely has some intangibles. But for me, I like my point guard as someone that I know that can blow by guys and get downhill, kind of create havoc in the paint or is like a a great shot creator or someone that can knock on open shots and kills right. doesn't really do either for me at this point again he's very young sure i, I would have personally liked to see him go to school for another year i think with the nil money he could have made at duke mm-hmm. he could probably offset whatever you know money he would have lost at if he's not a first round pick, but then again, Duke has a good class coming in. So it's kind of risky going back to school because you could end up being behind (laughs) one of their, their uh, highly touted freshmen. But Kyle Lowry is somebody that I would have missed out on also. Sure. Because in the same mode, I probably would have taken a more athletic guy that, you know, just kind of, is more visually pleasing, I should say. Sure. <laughs> but when you, you it's it's a mentality, right? So there's mm-hmm. sometimes like I don't think there's any sexiness to Kyle Lowry's game at all. But when it's mm-hmm. all said and done, he's gonna be one of the best players to really honestly play play this game. He's yeah. had a long career at a high level. Kills could be that guy. I just saying, like me personally, I probably would miss out on him. Uh one of my biggest concerns about him is he can get to the rim, but it's kind of like a slow bully ball style. And I think he struggles finishing in traffic because he's not like this explosive athlete. Mm -hmm. But if he can become a consistent jump shooter, then he can offset that. He had a a rough NCAA tournament, but he played well in the, in the last game against North Carolina. So that kind of made me see a little bit of what others are seeing in him, but you know, he's someone, even though he's only 18, I think that he can earn minutes on the floor early with this defense and his right. intensity and, you know, like the, the whole dog mentality. So, sure. Um, like I said, I probably would miss out on him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the way you describe his drive game makes it sound like a similar Duke player, uh, Gary Trent Jr., who I describe his drives as molasses drives, where it's like, yeah, he's getting to the rim, but it's like taking nine seconds for him to do it. And there's like a dude on his hip and it's impossible for him to finish through traffic and all that. Um, I think I'm probably good on guys who drive with that sort of style. If I'm the Raptors at the moment, they need some rim pressure, baby. Um, yeah. 
But, I but think hey, the, the, the yeah. difference is, is that that you know Trent, he's driving because they're forcing him to drive. Totally. Because yeah. he's he he provides shooting, and I'm a Blazers fan, so hmm. you know the whole Gary Trent situation is kind of a sore spot <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, we, uh we, we got him for we traded no for norm gave norm uh-huh. 90 and uh-huh. then trent signs what like 54 yeah like yep. 4 million and then we don't even have norm powell anymore so I'm like, but hey i remember we did an episode last year talking about keon johnson in the early days of the lead up to the draft uh, I can't totally recall if your feelings on Keon Johnson were good or bad, but uh, best of luck to your Portland Trailblazers with yeah, Keon Johnson. <laughs> potential upside, uh, yeah, but we'll we'll see. But yeah, Gary Trent, you just kind of, you know, took me back to a sad day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Let's close it out on a good note then. Uh, maybe not for Blazers fans, but for Raptors fans. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned at the top that there's a lot of range in this draft, 15 to 35, very fluid. And there's always a guy who drops, right? I yep. remember back in 2016 being like, Deontay Davis at 27? Of course that's the pick. Pascal Siakam, who's that? Deontay mm-hmm. Davis was supposed to be a lottery guy. Someone always drops for whatever reason. Um, you know, teams fall in love with different guys. It just doesn't fit, whatever it might be. If you're the Raptors, if you're Raptors fans, Raphael, who are a couple of guys, maybe even just one guy, who you're sitting there at 33, you're looking up at the draft board, it's at like 13, 14, you're seeing the guys left on the board. Who are you hoping, crossing your fingers, of that range of guys falls to the Raptors at 33 if there is one guy who pops out? Okay. All right. First of all, I love that example that you gave. And it just kind of shows the power of social media and pre-high school <laughs> hype. And uh-huh. I, I don't want to say names, but I think there's going to be multiple Deontay Davis type guys in this year's draft. Okay. Somebody that was really hyped up coming into college. They did not have a good freshman year, but social media and somebody's going to just take a gamble and say, oh, it was just a bad year, but I saw what he did in high school. I think there could be like four or five guys that fall into that range. While, you know, a guy like Siakam is someone who – who didn't have the fanfare, didn't have the buzz. I live in Dallas, and I was mm-hmm. heavy on the high school basketball scene. I had never heard of Pascal Siakam. <laughs> like, <laughs> I tell people all the time, did you know he went to high school in Dallas? And they're like, no, I didn't know. So, <laughs> But it's someone that was progressing and getting better and better every year under the radar. So I guess it's a perfect transition to my next prospect, the mm-hmm. guy that I think would bring some size and defense and energy is Ishmael Kamagate. Now, okay. he may be gone. He's a center from France, and um, I had a chance to speak with him. I went and watched him play a couple of times, actually went to one of his practices. I really like Kamagate because he is this under-the-radar player that has just quietly progressed into a potential first-round pick over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, I went to a tournament in Greece. It was like an under-18 tournament, and he was on the French under-18 team. Didn't Mm -hmm. even play. I don't even remember him getting in any games. And he wasn't even like one of their top seven or eight prospects. But here we are three years later. He has positioned himself into being one of the the best center prospects. And he had a game this year that I went to. And he outplayed Victor Wimbayama, who Wimbayama is the projected number one pick in 2023. He's like this next can't-miss prospect. Now, Kamagate is a little older. He's, He's stronger. But he is this guy that plays hard. I love the way he transitions from 
offense to defense, defense to offense. He's a guy that if he gets the rebound, he's going to find the guard. In every play, it is a full sprint to run the <laughs> rim, which kind of opens things up for your shooters because it's going to pull you know, a defender to make sure that he doesn't get the layup. But he has like this rawness in a sense. I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it. It's almost like he just started playing basketball young, and a coach mm-hmm. says, hey, if you want to make money in this game, rebound, block shots, sprint the floor every time. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what he does. And But he, he has some developing offensive skills. He can handle the ball a little bit, and he can shoot, which he didn't really get a chance to show because you know, he's kind of put in a box at playing for a Paris basket. But I've been to his workouts. I've seen him shoot. I did a little video sit-down interview with him back in January in, in Paris. And I didn't do a lot of editing. He was just knocking down shots, knocking down shots. He was working on his ball handling. He sees himself as somewhere as a mix between Bam Adebayo and Clint Capella. Okay. And if he ends up being close to those guys, then that is a real, real steal there. But again, totally. late, late bloomer, kind of under the radar at the very minimum. You know, you're going to get somebody that plays hard. Very, very nice kid. Yes, sir. No, sir. Kid, you can tell that he just has not been spoiled or not been kind of, you know, praised his whole life. Everything sure. is 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 like I mean, he he just knew he's raw, but powerful finisher. Like he knows how to turn it on and off from being like this very respectful, nice guy to you, you know, you put some butts in the seats, put a jersey on him. He's going <laughs> to dunk through you. So I'm, I'm a little biased, but I, I think that Kamagate would be a great pick for Toronto because he gives you some size and somewhat of a traditional center. And then with Toronto's development, mm-hmm. sky's the limit. That's interesting stuff. Ishmael Kamagate, keep the name on your minds, Raptors fans. Uh, put a, If you have like your little, I don't know, your little rabbit's foot on draft night that you're hoping, just whisper Ishmael Kamagate into it before the draft starts. Uh, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's uh, always great to chat with you. You have such great anecdotes from all of your jet setting around the world to cover these guys. Nobody does it better than you. Raphael Barlow, everybody, where can people check out all your work? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Barlow 500 is my Twitter, B-A-R-L-O-W-E 500. And then back in April, I took over for Chat Ford at NBABigBoard.com. Chat Ford is yep. kind of like the the pioneer in this whole draft space. And he retired, and he just thankfully for me left his entire newsletter up to me. I have total control of it. So it's a little bit of my opinion along with the intel that Chad had because mostly Chad's letters were about the intel that he he received so he was able to pass some of his contacts to me but it's still a combination of what i was doing before the nba draft so it's my opinion my video breakdowns but also mixing in some intel so um check it out nbabigboard.com and then i'm also on the locked on nba big board podcast awesome thank you so much Raphael. everyone check it out if you're looking for a draft podcast leading in to the draft two weeks from thursday it's uh very very close all of a sudden so we'll have more draft stuff next week surely to talk about more guys uh but Raphael, really appreciate your time man i know it's busy season for you and we'll uh, hopefully have you on again sometime soon in the future until then thank you so much for tuning in everybody and making us your first listen of the day go make your second listen of the day locked an nba big board why not go check it out and uh hear all the great stuff Raphael and the rest of the crew over there are 
are doing. And uh, with that, we'll round out the week of shows. We'll be back again on Monday with a little bit more in terms of off-season talk, trades, free agency. Who knows what rumors will pop up by then. We're going to talk about the Blazers and the OG Ananobi stuff next week with Mike, Mike Richmond of Locked On Blazers as well. So thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a good weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.